The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sohn, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Good morning, everybody. It's Tom Sohn, and welcome to another episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And today, we are talking about housing benefit tenants. And this is an interactive live, and I'm going to go through some pros and cons I'm going to talk through some risks and also my own experience of housing benefit tenants too, with some ideas of things that you can do, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, to protect yourself from the risks of housing benefit tenants. But like I say, I want to make this interactive because we as landlords, we have all different types of experience. So I think we can help other landlords together. So... Comment below, we'll start a discussion and help other landlords as much as we can with our experiences, with our tips and our hints and things that we did to solve these problems and protect ourselves from the risks of finding tenants, not just housing benefit tenants. Um, so I really want to know what your experiences are, what your opinion is of housing benefit tenants. Just comment below if you can. And, uh, and we'll answer questions. If you've got some issues, comment below. I will answer your questions. Other landlords will help you answer your questions too. Just comment, 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 comment. Anyway, so find, I want to know if you've had housing benefit tenants before. Were they good? Were they bad? Have you got housing benefit tenants now? What's your experience been? If you've had bad tenants, what have you learned? What would you do differently? Or if you've not had housing benefits at all in your rental properties, what do you think? What are the risks to you? What are your fears? So I'm going to share some things with you um, to make sure that you get a good tenant. That's the key, to get a good tenant. And this is all to do with my latest webinar, which is going to be in a few weeks, which is cleverly named Everything You Need to Do to Find the Right Tenant Every Time. And this is the follow-on from Everything You Need from Every Tenancy Every Time that I did last um, week before last, I think it was. So if you want the details of that webinar, just send me, a uh, send me a message on my Facebook page or comment below and I'll message you and I'll send you out the link straight away. Anyway, housing benefit tenants. So look, your, your, your stereotype, if you like, of housing benefit tenants is obviously going to be based on your own experience or through the experience of others that then tell you what they thought of them. And then you build your own feeling or gut instinct about that, but it is important to remember that a housing benefit income is just a form of income just like any other. It's, it's a form of income just like employment. And in some ways, it's actually more reliable as a source of income for a tenant than employment, especially at the moment. I mean, imagine if you, if you were to compare somebody who works in hospitality right now against someone who's receiving housing benefit. You'd probably say that the housing benefit income is more reliable, absolutely. 
And also the important thing as well is that you've got the risk of rent arrears and damage to your property um, with housing benefit tenants just the same as any other tenant. It's not actually the housing benefit tenant that gets into arrears. Sorry, it's not actually the housing benefit that gets into arrears, it's the tenant. It's not the housing benefit that damages your property, it's the tenant. So the obvious thing to do is to vet and reference and interview any tenant quite regular, rigorously, right? I think that's probably safe to say. I think if you make sure that you do everything you can, all your due diligence throughout the vetting process, then you're less likely to end up with a bad tenant, right? Seems fair enough. And yes, there are some definite things that you need to do if you've got a housing benefit tenant. I'll go through that in a second. But there's more that you should do I guess as an investor landlord and as an, an anonymous landlord, easy for me to say, to make sure you don't get stung. So look, I mean, actually, do you know what? My, a couple of examples here is that my letting agent years ago had a tenant who was absolutely lovely in the meeting. And if any of my lettings team are watching this, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Anyway, absolutely lovely in the meeting and full-time employed, good income, Turned out to be a drug dealer. And the police raided the property, smashed the door through, smashed the property out trying to find these the drug stash or whatever. Um, landlord cost the landlord a load of money. How could you even know? It's a, it's a tricky one. But I've had housing benefit tenants that have been in the same property for 20 years. Good as gold, kept the property immaculately, never missed a rent payment. I've had, oh, I've had a housing benefit tenant that caused about 10 grand's worth of damage, painted all the walls black, and even stole the patio doors. Who steals patio doors? Stole the patio doors, would you believe it? I've had domestic violence, drug laboratories, um, oh, the lot, too many to explain, but not only housing benefit tenants. I've had housing benefit, normal tenants, high income, low income, and all there's problems as well, there's risks as well, no matter what tenant it is you go. So you can't always rely on that meeting or the performance of the tenant in the meeting to categorically know if they're gonna be a good tenant or not. By the way, do you have any stories? I've got some stories coming up here. Uh, let me just check on my phone here, because we've got Ray um, having had zero rent for three months because of job losses. Yeah, happy to get paid from housing. Tenants with children are more likely to pay because they have them to think about absolutely right, yeah. Um, so look, what are the risks here? And by the way, if you've got any comments on Ray or James's comments in this post, then, uh, then reply to them. Let them know what you think about their comments. Let them know your experiences, your stories of tenants, housing benefit or not. And what do you think of housing benefit tenants? So what are the risks? Right, well, housing benefit can actually be removed. As you know, the, house, the DSS can just stop the housing benefit payments if the tenant has any kind of change in circumstances, maybe they start receiving additional income, um, or maybe a change of income, or maybe the tenant just doesn't provide the information in time. They have a, a time limit in order to be able to submit their next claim. If that doesn't get submitted in time, housing benefit stops. And there are a few ways that you can protect yourself from that. So for an example, if you're close to the tenant or you feel you can do this, you could send the tenant a reminder 
to get their next lot of information over to the, uh, the DSS. Simple, or the council, whoever. Um, if the housing benefit is removed from the tenant, it is hard for them to replace the income. They might not have the ability or the capability to earn enough money through regular employment. For an example, full-time parents won't have the same availability to go and work full-time. Yes, you could argue that they could put their child into childcare, but then that's a big chunk of the daily income. If they're gonna earn 80 pounds a month but spend out 60 pounds in childcare, 20 pound a day isn't enough to pay the rent. So, you know what, there's, there's so many different reasons why housing benefit might be removed. And, you know, I'll give you an example. There's a lovely mum who quite innocently, just a mum of two actually, just quite innocently decided to get a little part-time job, just working from home, nothing dramatic, just to generate a little bit of extra income. She did the right thing, she declared it, to, uh, and her housing benefit was just stopped straight away. So she immediately gave up that job, but went into arrears because her housing benefit was stopped. And then she had to wait for it to be reinstated. And that caused her some issues. It caused the landlord some issues. It's difficult, but she did the right thing and she was just doing something quite innocently. But then as soon as the housing benefit detects any kind of change, they're out, they're done, that's it. Another risk is that it is quite difficult in some cases to evict housing benefit tenants. And the reason is, the first place, if the tenant gets into difficulty with arrears or something like that, the first place that the tenant will go is to the council to ask for advice. And the council, nine times out of 10, will advise the tenant to stay in place, to stay in the property until you get to a certain point, till you get to the courts, because then it's the latest point, you go to court, and then the council sometimes will provide them with a council property to move into. But generally speaking, the council's advice is to the tenant to just stay put for as long as you can. Now, it's not necessarily incorrect advice, and it, it's terrible for me to say this as a letting agent and as a landlord, because what the, the council are saying is the legal process is for you to go through the court process. And then the tenant feels like, OK, I'll stay put until, I, until I'm forced to leave. There are a lot of uh, consequences for the tenant in that instance. Um, but generally, that's the advice that a tenant will get. The other thing is that housing benefit is not always the full amount of rent and in some instances tenants have to pay what's called a top up which is just simply where they pay a contribution to the rent and that's quite often the case with private landlords where um, tenants are renting property through a private landlord and receiving housing benefit and also sometimes housing benefit tenants don't have the funds available for a full deposit um, it's just not affordable so you could, as a landlord, either take uh, a smaller deposit for that particular tenant, or you could look at some zero deposit schemes. If you've got a letting agent, then your letting agent should have access to those. Um, but certainly, there are some pros, there are some benefits to having a housing benefit tenant. First of all, it's guaranteed income. It's, well, guaranteed is a, a I use that term very loosely, but it's certainly more guaranteed than employment. 
If you think about it, if you've got someone who's just on a zero hour contract or a pay as you go contract, self-employed, all of those things, their income's not guaranteed. Whereas housing benefit, as long as you get the right tenant, of course, housing benefit income is pretty secure. You can also get it paid directly to you, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord. You can get it directly paid to your letting agent. It's simple and an easy process to do, but not a lot of people know that they can do it. Now, you find that most of the issues that arise from housing benefit tenants when it comes to arrears is because the housing benefit is paid to the tenant and then the tenant's responsibility is to pay it to the landlord or to the letting agent. And that's where the problem comes about. If you've got a tenant who's particularly poor with money, then they get all this money every month and for however long that, that rent will be paid, no problems, and then something shiny comes along and they want a new telly or they, I don't know, whatever they want, a holiday, whatever it may be, and they pay for that and then haven't got enough money to pay the rent, that's where the problems start. So by the way, this is an interactive live, so um, even if you're watching this a bit later, post your comments below and let me know what your experience is of housing benefit tenants, good or bad, and if you see any other comments, do me a favour, let's all work together, let's help other landlords out here and see if we can provide any solutions to other landlords' issues. And I'll do my best to go through the comments and answer anything I can, provide any advice that I can um, around this topic. Anyway, other benefits is that housing benefit tenants tend to stay longer. So yes, you get a good, reliable, guaranteed-ish income, but also that tenant's going to stay longer. So it makes for a better investment, right? Your goal is to secure the income, long-term tenants, great. And that's what you want. There's also quite high demand as well for housing benefit tenants um, or of housing benefit tenants to find properties. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, there is a big problem at the moment with landlords that have the stereotype of housing benefit tenants being poor and not reliable, not safe, high risk. And so therefore, a lot of landlords don't accept housing benefit tenants, even though that's technically wrong now. Um, that's a whole nother matter. They don't accept housing benefit tenants. So there's less properties and loads of people that want them. So that creates a nice high demand. And I'll come back to that in a minute on, it's going to sound really harsh, but how you can make a bit of profit from this. Um, but yeah, so there are some benefits to housing benefit tenants as long as you get the right person. Because remember what I said, it's not the housing benefit that doesn't pay your rent. It's not the housing benefit that damages your property, causes antisocial behaviour, domestic violence, all of those sorts of things. It's the tenant. So as long as you can protect yourself from the tenant, then the housing benefit stuff is a bonus. It's a great, great investment if you get that bit right. So how can you protect yourself? That's the question, right? So first of all, the term that you've all heard many, 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 many times is get a guarantor. Yes, right. So what do you look for in a guarantor? Well, for me, and I'm probably sharing this, sharing a bit too much um, here, but if I'm going to get a guarantor for a housing benefit tenant, then I will try and get two guarantors. I know that sounds silly. If I can't get two, then I'll settle for one. But that one guarantor has to be a secure investment, almost like, think of it like an investment. 
you're investing in a person, right? So that person that's going to be the guarantor for me needs to be a homeowner for a start, needs to have a decent income that can afford the full rent, needs to be hopefully a close-ish family member. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Because if the tenant goes into arrears or misses a rent payment, then you should immediately notify the guarantor of that problem. You can guarantee, guarantor, guarantee, all these guarantees and guarantors, you, sh you can guarantee that the guarantor will, will contact that tenant immediately and say, hey, I've just got this letter, or I've just got this email, I've just got this text from the agent or from your landlord to say that you've not paid your rent and they're coming after me. Can you pay your rent straight away, please? That puts a lot of pressure on the tenant to pay the rent and you should all do the same. If the tenant does go into arrears, then I would allow a short space of time for that guarantor to pay the rent for them. And you should insist in your communication that the, the guarantor is going to pay that rent. Please pay now. And then it's the guarantor's responsibility to pay that rent now and then go to the tenant for repayment of that, that rent. There's another thing that, of course, you've heard before, which is vetting and referencing. They are two different things, in my opinion. I see referencing as the facts and the figures, and I see vetting as the personal stuff. So, for an example, whenever my letting agent, Pink Street, whenever Pink Street uh, is going to move a tenant in or is, is referencing and vetting a tenant, they'll carry out a face-to-face -face interview. Well, at the moment, it's over Zoom, but uh, a full interview, <coughs> excuse me, a full interview to decide whether that tenant is desirable, easy to work with, is going to be a good tenant, right? And that is a very much of a personal opinion. It's difficult to say because it is person to person, but generally speaking, you know if you've got someone that's going to be a good tenant or not by meeting them and talking to them. And then that's backed up by the referencing where you get landlord references, which is a proof of the rent's been paid, proof of no problems, all of those things. Also agency re um, references. If you can get an agent reference, you can guarantee that's going to be a bit more detailed than a landlord reference. So if you can get an agency reference, then great. You need to check their credit file. There are many different places that you can do a credit search on somebody. Get the tenant's uh, authorization to do that first, but check their credit file. You need to know if they've got CCJs, deep, uh, county court judgments, by the way, defaults, which is basically where they've got a debt of some kind, credit card or loan, and that loan has defaulted because they haven't made their payments, and the loan company or the credit card company have said, I want all my money back, that's it. You'll need to get multiple ID, multiple forms of identification. I'm not talking about just a passport and driving license. If it was me, I would get a passport, a driving license, a utility bill and a bank statement. If you can get those four things, you know you've got a tenant that keeps those things, right? And all right, that's a bit, that's a bit far-fetched, but you know you've got a tenant that is secure, they are who they say they are, they have the right bank details, they've got utility bills that have been paid, and always look out for, by the way, if someone gives you a utility bill and it's overdue or it's late or something like that, alarm bells. Um, and also try and get an income and expenditure form as well. Very simple, two columns, income, expenditure, total at the bottom. Now, if you can see that their income 
is less than their expenditure alarm bells. Simple. Next, get housing benefit proof. Proof that they actually receive and have been approved for housing benefit. You can get that because the tenant is given a letter or uh, some form of approval. You can get that. Check with your mortgage lender. Now, this is a bit and your insurer as well, by the way, if you've got landlord insurance or building insurance and some of that, some insurers and some lenders have certain restrictions um, and requirements when it comes to housing benefit tenants. It's going to sound really silly, but you must check those things. Nine times out of ten, they'll say, yeah, no, that's fine. No problem. But if you don't check with them and then you try and make a claim on your insurance for some reason and that insurer finds out that you've got a housing benefit tenant, they might not pay out. So you need to check those things, especially if you've got a rent guarantee, by the way. Definitely check that they authorise uh, housing benefit tenants. Definitely use your gut instinct. That sounds really obvious again. Let me try and add some substance to that. If you've got a tenant moving into your property, right, and they earn tons of money and they're really well off and they're great, they seem like great tenants, but when you meet them, they're a little bit abrasive, bit difficult to work with, bit irritating, whatever. Remember, you, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, are going to have to look after them for the long term. So if you find them difficult to work with now, then you might find them difficult to work with later down the line. It's a tenant's responsibility, in my opinion, to make themselves investable, right? They are not entitled for you to give them a property to live in. They're not entitled to that. They, you have an asset. You've invested your money wisely. You are looking to make a return on that investment. And this tenant is looking to live in that property. Now, they are not by rights or by default entitled to that, so they must, in my opinion, earn that right to become investable. That's my opinion as an investor. Uh, what do you think of that, by the way? That, that's just generally the way I see it. They have to earn that right and, and impress upon me that they are suitable tenants for my asset and my investment. Um, so next thing is treat, how can I put this? Treat any tenant like any other tenant. Right. Hopefully that makes sense. You just you assess the tenant and you protect the risk. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter whether they're housing benefit. doesn't matter whether they're doctors and lawyers. You assess the risk and you protect the risk. In fact, I've had doctors as tenants in the past who have gone into arrears and have damaged a property just like any other tenant. So it doesn't matter whether they are the prime minister or whatever. A tenant is a tenant and you assess the risk and you protect the risk. It's as simple as that. And lastly, if there is a housing benefit tenant, I do not negotiate on the rent. They pay full market value. And there's a reason for that, and it's just like the banks. If there are times of uncertainty or times of higher risk, then banks, they increase their rates to protect against that risk, right? And it's the same with any investment. You increase your your uh, income to protect against any risks that you might be uh, increasing as well. How am I carrying out the meetings at the moment? I'm doing them over Zoom. Well, it's not me, but my lettings team are carrying out the uh, tenant interviews over Zoom right now. They seem to be working okay. Might stay as a thing for the future. Um, let's have a look at some other comments here. Uh, 
Yeah, tell you what, by the way, I won't go through the comments now, but if you see any comments on this uh, video, then help out the landlords that are asking the comments, reply, start a discussion. This needs to be interactive. I think we need to really get other landlords involved. Who agrees with that? Hopefully you all do. So anyway, yeah, so what did I get to? Yeah, treat any tenant uh, like any other tenant, make sure that you charge the full market value, no negotiation. Um, if the tenant really does want that property, they'll take it. So overall, do you know what? I must admit, I do actually like housing benefit tenants as long as I've protected against the risk. I must say, you need to be more due diligent, more diligent <laughs> with uh, housing benefit tenants. But also remember, like I said earlier, it's not the housing benefit that's going to cause you problems. It's the tenant. So do all of your due diligence and your research and your analytics on the tenant themselves. And if you're in doubt, go back to the facts and the figures. And the facts and the figures are the numbers, the income, the expenditure, the whether they are able to afford the rent, the referencing, the vetting, all of those things are facts and figures. And they cannot lie. Facts and figures cannot lie. If you're still in doubt, kick it out. Don't take the tenant on if you are still in doubt, because you have to remember this is your asset, your investment, and therefore your risk. So, okay, I hope that helps. That's housing benefit tenants. Look, there are some really, really good housing benefit tenants out there, but unfortunately what we hear is there's been a bad housing benefit tenant that smashed up a property, uh, run a drug den, and all of those things. But what we hear is housing benefit tenants are going to smash my property and go into arrears, not pay the rent, use it as a drug den. What we're not hearing is that tenant used my property as a drug den, didn't pay the rent, smashed the place up. So you can do all of these things that I've just been through in order to protect yourself from those um, from the bad tenants, not just housing benefit tenants, from bad tenants. Do all of those things that I've just been through and that will minimise your risk, I promise. But if you've got stories, and remember, this is all part of my uh, upcoming webinar. So you remember I did the webinar a couple of weeks ago, which was everything you need for every tenancy every time. That was massive, by the way. I had loads of people on, on uh, booked onto that, which was quite good. But this next one is everything you need to find the right tenant every single time. So that's what this is part of. Um, just doing a live to, to give you a few bits of information. But I'm going to go into it in a bit more detail on that webinar. So if you want to sign up for that webinar, it's free. Obviously, everything I do is free. But if you want to sign up for that webinar, then comment below and I will message you or message me through Facebook and I'll send you the details to that webinar. Um, or you can email me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. But remember, this is all part of finding the right tenant. And what we're going to do together as landlords is help each other as landlords. Because that's all I'm trying to do. If you're going to be a customer of mine, then awesome. We'll do some great things together. We'll grow your asset. We'll grow your income. We'll protect you against risks. But if you're not going to be my customer, I just want to make sure that you're all getting it right. And I think we can all join in on that. I think we can all help each other out. So until the next one, then uh, I hope everybody is safe and everybody is happy and coping okay. I will speak to you all soon. My name's Tom Sone and this is The Anonymous Landlord.
Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sone on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat, and grow.